Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Normally in Paul's letters, there's a break. There's a break between theory and practical, between his defense and uh, a second part that he always tells us what to do or tell them what to do. This is the break on this letter. While he was um, talking before about general things and the reasons why he didn't go or all this kind of stuff, he makes a break here, and now he's going to go into practical things in the life of these people. He's going to exhort and request and exhort them to, to live a different life. That happens in most of Paul's letters. For example, in, in Romans, that break is, is in 12. In, in 12, 1, it begins practical. So that's what he's doing there. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort both of those you in the Lord Jesus. And I will never, you, you, you can tell me, but I want to stop to repeat this all the time. And in every text, Paul was not exhorting in his own authority. He did it always in Jesus' authority. And that's something we need to be aware of. Here I am not talking in my authority. I'm talking in the authority of the scriptures. Every time I find that in a text, I'm going to put a line. I'm going to tell you this because this is pretty important. Paul never talked in other authority than Jesus and God's authority. So you don't have to be listening or believing anybody talking in their own authority around. Only in Jesus' authority. So... That as you receive from us instructions as, as to how you ought to walk and please God. Walk and please God are two different things. Obeying and pleasing God are two different things. We may obey God, but we may not be doing it from heart. The big example, the great example is Jonah. Jonah at the end obeyed and did what God wanted. He went to Nineveh and he preached and people got converted. But at the end, how, how he was, he was out of Nineveh there. All this happened and you converted all these people and mad at God. He obeyed God, but he didn't do it from his heart. So he obeyed, but he didn't please God. So that's a difference that we should, should notice in our life. We just don't obey just to obey. We do it from our heart. So we obey, we walk, and we please God both at the same time. Just as you actually do walk, they were doing, they were doing good. And, and we know, we have seen... The chapters 1, 2, and 3, they were doing good. But Paul is saying, I instruct you that you excel still more. That you keep working and, and keep behaving that way and excel still more. 
Two, for you know what commandments we gave you. Commandments here is a military term normally that a superior gives to a subordinate. So this is the idea, the commands that we on the authority of Christ. For you know that commands, what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It's, it's a command from a superior person. So we're going to look at three house two. I don't know if I wrote that plural correctly there, but three how twos. Okay, and for the people I have on Wednesday night, you should look that there are three dads on those verses. That, that, and that. So that's, that's the beginning of the three how-tos. So you're improving your Bible study skills. So how-tos from 3 to 6a. The first one. I, again, put verse 2, but we're going to verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is a big theme. Purity is, is a delicate thing, especially men. men. Men are more driven to these kind of things. And uh, this is something in which we have to excel. And uh, verse 3 is going to save you for a particular question that everybody is doing all around. A lot of Christians always ask, what's the will of God for my life? So if you want to just answer quickly and fast and literally, you, you tell that person the will of God for you is your sanctification. It's right there. Everybody's asking that around because people want to know their particular will of God in their life. And, well, you can tell them, yeah, sanctifications. That's the first. What sanctification means? Sanctification means to set apart. To be holy means to be set apart. That's why we just listen to that song. If you listen to that song again, set apart is like five or six times. That's the wider meaning of being holy or sanctified. And it comes from a Greek word, it's hagios. And if you have seen that big church, it was a church now, it's not, it's an Istanbul, Hagia Sophia, that is a, it's a big, beautiful place there. It's called like that, Hagia Sophia, because it's holy wisdom. So, but you can have a, an idea about Another use of scientific, of the word, original word, Hagia, that means holy. So our sanctification, we need to be set apart. That's the wider meaning of the word. But we Christians, we know that it's a little more complicated than that. So we have normally three kinds of sanctification. When we go a little deeper in theology, we have three kinds of sanctification. We have a positional sanctification. What that means? In the moment we believe. 
in the work and person of Jesus Christ, what He did for us, instantly our position changes. In the moment we believe, we are not in darkness anymore. We are not slave of sin anymore. We ransom our sin was paid or it was paid for, and we just positionally we belong to another place. We have another position. While we were condemned and enemies of God, we're not that anymore. That's instantly when we believe. We are sanctified in position. We're set apart at that same moment. That's what we call normally like justification. Okay? The second kind of sanctification is progressive sanctification. After we believe, the Holy Spirit in us begins to change us. And to show us what we're doing wrong. And we, step by step, keep changing bad habits, sinful patterns, bad ideas, all that kind of stuff. We go progressively changing. That's what we call normally sanctification. When you hear sanctification, is mostly referring to progressive sanctification. And we have ultimate sanctification. That is going to be so good. It's going to be in the presence of God. We won't have this body. We won't have sinful nature. Always trying to entice us to do bad. And we are going to be free. Finally free. Completely from sin. And that is going to be glorification. I'm looking forward to that. So, what are these people talking about here? What is Paul talking about here? We are in the first century in the Greek world. What was happening when he is telling to these people in the first century? The will of God for your life is sanctification. Is that you set apart yourself. And keep saying that you abstain from sexual immorality. You can read that from Charles Ryrie. And it says, Ritual fornication played a large part in the heathen religious worship rites. And moral looseness was common among people on all levels of society. Since this was the environment in which the Thessalonians have been reared, it's easy to see why they did not have strong convictions and high standards for these areas of life. We have to understand that in the Greek world, there was not a sense of holiness. These rituals were just doing all that things on the temple with temple prostitutes and in a few ones there were they were men mostly were women but in some even were men that was part of the re religious life of the greek world they didn't have a sense of holiness of of sanctification of of setting apart ourselves for our god it was not about that okay 
So we have to understand that it was not clear for these people in the first century in a Greek world what set apart was. So he needs to explain and say you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now trying to bring that to today. Christians are to avoid and abstain from any and every form of sexual practice that lies outside the circle of God's revealed will. All those down there. I won't read them all. Imagine I see always God, the Bible, and us as when you buy a product in the store. You have your user's manual, you have the product, and you go and use it. Okay? When you use your product in a way that that product was not designed for, you're going to break it. I just used my personal blender the other day to, to blend something that I shouldn't blend, and that thing began to smell bad. And Same thing happens with sex. Pornea, that word, means sexual immorality and has broad meaning. We are trying to define that. And that's why I put that on red. God designed us and designed sex with a purpose. When we go outside that purpose that we were designed for, we're going to break. Okay? We're going to break. We break our minds. Sometimes we break our bodies. We, we have consequences when we do that. The last thing when I was in the world, is a little still with the things on. The little boy is with the things on? Okay. I was, even when I was thinking and preaching about this, I, I almost te text, uh, text uh, Jan and said, Grayson is coming and he's coming, the other kids. But the last thing when I was in the world is that people were doing cartoons about this stuff. What was doing that to kids? It was messing their minds. One of the things that mess their minds is that they draw perfect woman. So those little kids doing those, those scenes, watching those stuff, they, they get a pattern of what a woman should be. And when they grow up, what about the two skinny girls or the little chubby girls? They mess that pattern in their minds. And they only look, when they grow up, they only have that pattern of the cartoons, perfect things that they watch. That's crazy. Whatever expression of sexual immorality out of the boundaries that God designed us to keep is going to mess us. That's a big deal for us men because, because we're tempted all the time to go out of that boundaries. We're tempted all the time.
And uh, this is some, something real serious. We're going to talk about reasons later. But the first how-to that he is giving to these people. Abstain yourself of all those practices that are out of God's boundaries. Keep yourself only where God wants you to do it. Second that. So second how to. Verse 4. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And in 5, he makes a contrast and says, Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. There's a little matter about the word vessel because that word means literally recipient or, or vessel, recipient. But when, you, when people are going to interpret that, some people go, it should be wife. And some people say it should be body. Wife, because in 1 Peter, Peter says, used the word to say, to help us to see a wife like a wicker vessel. So some people, because of that, thinks that it should be understood like wife. Some other people think it should be body. So I prefer body. Because I think it's, it, it aligns with the context more. So you can think of, you can choose whatever. And at the end, it's almost the same thing. That each of you know how to possess his own body or wife in sanctification and honor. So if we want to get sanctified, we have to abide all sexual immorality and we have to keep our bodies apart too. And in honor, we have to keep our bodies. And the contrast here is the contrast with Gentiles or unbelievers that just leave lustful passions. The main emphasis of their life is just to go after intense experiences. In doing that, we make a difference. We, when we set apart ourselves and we take care of our body, we are making a difference between us and the people who don't do that. So it's a way to show the difference in our lives. We keep going on verse 6, a third dad, so that's the third how-to. That no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. If you see your outlines, the three how-tos go from verse 3 to 6a. That means it's going to go to the first half of verse 6. The first half of verse 6 
and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. So he's telling, abstain from sexual immorality, keep your bodies in sanctification and honor, and try not to transgress and defraud the brothers, like everybody on the... You know, I was telling people that I wanted to snack during, during my sermon today. But this is really my best illustration for sin, or my favorite one. The first time I came to the States, I didn't know this. So someone bought me this, and I, I went to bed. I was reading my Bible, and I began to, to eat this stuff. So, in a little bit, I was so excited because I liked it and I wanted to eat more and eat more. But I was making such a mess. <laughs> and even my Bible got red. So, sin is the same thing. We begin... Like David, just for nothing. We keep going. We like it. And when we just notice or we just look, we just made a whole big mess around us. So, I brought you that. I brought you that because I think... This is about it. When sexual immorality happens in our lives, we take with us a lot of people. We damage a lot of people. Not only ourselves and our bodies. We just make a great, great mess around us. It can be a wife that don't wanna talk to us anymore. It can be a divorce. It can be a kid that is going to be separated. Or it's going to be an older kid that is going to hate us for what we did. So many consequences. So many collateral damage. So we should be careful. We should be careful now to transgress and defraud our brothers. We could be doing that while we are in this impurity process. So finishing with the three how-tos, we're going quickly to the three whys. Why should we do that? We're going to continue in the same verse, but the second part. Because, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. And you say, well, I am a Christian, so the Lord won't give me eternal condemnation. Yes, there's no condemnations for us that we are in Christ Jesus. But what about earthly here and now consequences? We're going to go through that. Yeah, eternity is granted. But we will have to deal with all the physical, earthly consequences here of our sins. 
if we go after sexual immorality, we don't take care of our bodies, doing whatever, and we transgress and offend our brothers, God is going to give us the consequences because he's a righteous God. So that's the first reason why should we should be living in purity. Why we should excel in purity. Because we can read the consequences here of those things. Second, why? On verse 7. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. People who like the doctrine of election always say, oh, God called us. We are elected. But we are elected for what? We are not elected for impurity. Okay? That calling, that thing that God did in our heart that we believed is not for impurity. Our lives belong to Him. And we should seek sanctification instead of impurity in our lives. We should be excelling in purity in our lives. If you have any doubt about it, you can go to 1 Peter 1.15... And uh, you can read that. I won't do it so I can finish. So the third reason, not only we should be fearful of God, not only we need to honor our calling, but also living in impurity will take us to reject God. Why is explaining so he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You know, when we have the Holy Spirit, we are in this process of sanctification. He is changing us. He, I, I was, I don't know, stealing and I don't think that's good anymore. I was lying and, and I stopped lying and... Uh, Next step is, is fixing my, my sexual impulses or whatever. And when God is ready to help me to do that, moving and the Holy Spirit is helping me, I decide to keep doing it. And I decide to keep living in purity. What am I doing? I'm rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what I'm really doing. I'm rejecting God and His work in my life when I decide to keep living in impurity. So, I think those are three powerful reasons. We can be, we can reap the consequences. We can just honor, dishonor our call. And uh, we are just rejecting God when we decide to live in impurity. And I want to finish with this five reasons because I 
I organized it in this way, three how-tos and three whys, but I just wanted you, I even printed for you on the back, I never print the back. So I printed it on the back so you can have it because I think this is really important. I didn't do it that way because I like more three how-tos and three whys, that's why. But I thought this was really, really important because these are good reasons from verse 5 to 8. And, and it's good to have it with us. Five reasons for abstaining from sexual immorality. First one, because doing that, we're going to set a contrast between us and the unbelievers. People who know me from Cuba, knows who I was before I was a believer and how I was with woman and how I am with woman now. So that makes a difference and set a contrast between Lazaro, Lazaro the unbeliever and Lazaro the believer. So when we set apart ourselves and we excel in purity, we make a contrast to people around us. Oh, this guy is not sleeping around anymore. This guy is not doing this anymore. This guy is now, wow, what changed in his life? When we do that, people can see a testimony of change in our life. Two, immorality defrauds and cheats others. That's, that's lame. And I have done that in the past. I didn't see it. I couldn't see it in the past when I was not a believer. But I have done that. It's something that, that have consequences around. And we hurt people that normally we love. So that's, that's a very heavy, heavy reason for, for abstaining us from doing those things. God will judge. They will know. And we're going to have earthly consequences of that. It is contrary to the believer's calling. Our call is to holiness. Be holy because I am holy, said God. And we're just going against Him. And five, we are rejecting God's word, God's work in our life through the Holy Spirit. We are rejecting God Himself in our lives. So... We're going to be looking at the two other areas in which we may excel, in which we may show excellency or excellence in our lives next Sunday. So you come to know about those two other areas. Let's pray about this. Father God, we ask you... Please, God, that that amazing grace you have given us in your Son may be shown in our lives. Father, that we may show a different life. Father, that we may strive for excellence and not just a normal good life. Father, help us 
to excel specifically in the area of purity, God. Help us. Help us to keep our minds captive in Christ. Help us to only look to the good things and only get the good things and put aside all the bad influences and bad behaviors. Father, help us to honor your calling. You have called us, you have elected us for a purpose of sanctification and for showing a different life everywhere we go. Father, we know it's hard, but help us, give us grace to keep always walking by the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Father, we need your help. We need your help because we don't want to be punished here. Father, because we don't want to hurt people we love. Father, because we want to honor you and we want to set a difference in this place. So help us, God, to make a difference with our lives in this place. Help us to show a life that is set apart for you, that people may see us and say, this person belongs to Christ. Help us, God. We love you. We praise you. And we ask everything in Jesus' name. Amen.
Holiness is what he wants for me and what he wants for us all. I will ask Kim that pray for us in our week so we can get dismissed. Dear Lord, we, we just thank you so much for your love, for your amazing, amazing grace. Lord, we go out into a world of this glorified sexual immorality. Not only pushes it, but just glorifies it. And it can be very difficult for us, Lord, for all of us. We pray that your spirit will live in us and through us. We remember your amazing grace. We remember your, your mercy, Lord, as we go out into this world. That we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, that we would live lives that would glorify and honor you. Lives that others would see and wonder why we're so different. And they'd want to know, may we be prepared as we go out into that world this week to share with them why, why we're different. We pray that you live in us and through us, Lord. How we need your spirit. May we be sensitive to your pleading. May you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.